This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. On the Parshas, Ki Sisa, everyone. We have Perak Lam Beis, Pasuk Beis. So it's difficult to go through this Parsha without going into the Egel Hazav. What a really strange Parsha. In Pasuk Beis, Perak Lam Beis, Pasuk Beis, it says, Aaron said to them, Porku nizme azav asher He said to them, Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your children, your da- your sons, your daughters, bring those rings to me. Bring those rings to me. They took out all the rings that were in their ears. And they brought them to Aaron. Now, Be'ozneim is a little weird, their ears themselves, but first of all, why would Aaron have suggested this? What's he doing? Why in the world would this be the suggestion? The rabble approached him with an evil, untenable request, a request that you cannot give in to them on, to do something that has to do with the Vodazar itself, and he responds by telling them what to do in order to create an idol for themselves? That can't be. That doesn't make any sense at all. So the rush and the Dasakanim answer that Aaron obviously did not want someone else to be a leader, somebody else to become a leader. He's worried about Hur, he's worried about Kalev, he's worried about Nachshon. Because if they define, if they decide, if Aaron looks at them and says, hey guys, you don't need an idol. You could use Hur, you could use Nachshon, you could use Kalev, any of these people over here, that would start a fight when Moshe Rabbeinu came back. That could be a problem. Moshe Rabbeinu comes back and a fight starts off because all of a sudden Moshe is on one side, everybody else is on the other side. Obviously, that would be an issue. When it came to him, if Aaron himself would make himself a leader, then it would be a huge issue when Moshe Rabbeinu came off. That's not a good idea. So what Aaron wanted to do, says the Rush, says the Balitosos, all he wanted to do is push it off a bit. Let's push it off a bit only until Moshe Rabbeinu comes back. He knew that Moshe Rabbeinu would come back soon. He didn't know when, but the assumption is within a day or two, within that day or two, the Moshe Rabbeinu will come back, everything will be okay. And that's the Pashib shot, says the Balei Tosos. He never meant to make an Avodah Zarah. He just wanted to keep it out of human hands, knowing there might be a fight. This will be the easiest thing. Clearly, Aaron did not mean to make an idol here, even though he asked for gold to be collected. The Chizkuni and all the Balei Tosos say that the eagle was created through the Erev Rav. The Erev Rav used their magic, whatever they had at their disposal, to take the gold and turn it into something that was absolutely crazy. Aaron assumed, and he was probably right, it would take a few days to melt down the gold, to mold it into something, to make it into something. He expected that to take days at least. And when it happened so quickly due to the magic of the Erebrav and what they were able to do, he was shocked. And had he had it gone his way, Moshe Rabbeinu would have come back on time. Nothing bad would have happened. Everything would have been okay. Unfortunately, the whole idea seems to be strange. The whole idea seems to be off. Rip Hirsch, says that this was a terrible mistake on Aaron's part. And we get this. He might have had the best intentions at heart. And we get that, right? He may have had the best ideas. This is something that we need to do. And that's totally understandable. And that's clearly indicated in the text. Even though it looks like the text is saying that Aaron did this, Aaron did that, he had the best intentions in mind. Chag Hashem machor, a chag for HaKadosh Baruch Hu was clearly with the best intentions that something good was supposed to happen. He also knew that his involvement would defer any of the blame for creating the Egel Azov to himself and not on the people. He's taking the blame on his shoulders like a truly 
leader does rather than give it over to the people themselves. That's an idea behind it. But nonetheless, says Rav Hirsch, no matter what Aaron was thinking, this caused the greatest sin that B'nai Yisrael could have done at the time. It was the cause and the effect was for something that was almost like Clelius. It's something that we remember every single day, the Egel Azov. According to Ramban, we're supposed to say out loud every day what happened to B'nai Yisrael, the Egel Azov, and we still feel those ramifications today. What happened to the Egel Azov was there. Was Aaron to blame? I don't know if you can say such a thing. Aaron clearly started it. Was he to blame? I'm not so sure. But the the problem, the problem is that this is such a terrible sin and they should have realized what was involved with all this. Now, the Nitziv says a huge Kiddush. I don't know if anybody's heard this Nitziv before. I've heard it, I've read it before and I forgot it and I just remembered it now when I looked at it again. I was like, oh right, that's the Nitziv's Kiddush. This is a huge Kiddush. It's a really crazy thing. It's based on something that we've mentioned earlier in Shiram. When a Kiddush Baruch offered them a Malach, there was a Malach to take God's place. Then no longer would God go with the Jews in the Midbar. A Malach would go with them in the Midbar. Whenever they went, a Malach would be with them. When that was there, that meant, that meant there would be no sin in asking the Malach for whatever they needed while they were in the Midbar. Meaning, normally, you can't just daven to Malachim. Right? You can't daven to a Malach. Why would you daven to a Malach? You can daven to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But if the Malach was sent specifically to help you, this specific Malach was sent to help you, then it would be okay to ask that Malach for a little bit of help. If that Malach was sent in lieu of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, in place of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, then it would have been okay. The idea is, says in Nitziv, it's like asking. The king sets up, a, 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 I don't know, a minister of transportation. So you have a question about the highway system. You don't go directly to the king. You go to the minister of transportation. You ask him what can be done in order to fix up this problem because that's what he's there for. If he's there to take care of transportation, then he's there to answer your questions about transportation. So the fact that you're requesting something from him makes sense. Says in Nitziv, it would be the same thing if a malach was in charge. If there was was a Malach put in charge, then instead of going to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you would be allowed, you'd be allowed to ask the Malach what to do. If that's true, would it be forbidden to make a shrine for that minister and be Machshivit, consider it as Chashuv, as a Kaddish Baruch Hu himself? That would be problematic, right? To make a shrine for him. You want to ask him a question. You want to praise him and say thank you, right? That's okay. But to make a shrine for him, to give him an object that represents him in this world, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu is right here, that, he says, would be frowned upon. And that's the Easter. In the Aserah Zedibro, says, Lo yelecha Elohim acherim apana. You can't have any other gods. Lo sasalcha fessel, tmuna, asherosh ma'ava, loris mitochas, etc. You can't have any type of idol that represents a god. Now, they were looking at this, and the ego is of itself. They were looking at it as not as a god, lowercase g god. They were looking at it as a minister that is in charge of a certain thing, that would lead them through the midbar. That's what they wanted. We didn't know what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. We need somebody else to lead us through the desert. So we want something that's going to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. It's going to lead us through the desert. Not a god. We want someone else to take his place. They might have used the word Elohim, but Elohim is used as judges, as important people. That's what it means over here. It doesn't mean they wanted a god. They wanted something they would be able to go to. If that's true, then the Aserah Zedibros did not necessarily answer this. That Aserah was asked making a god. Aserah was did not ask her making something to represent a leader, somebody to help you and to go upon your path so you know where you're going. 
But that was a pasuk after the Aserzi Dibros. After the Aserzi Dibros, right after they ended, it says the Easter of Lo Sasun Et. You can't make for me or with me Eloi Chesav Elohezahov. You can't make these gods of silver and gods of gold. Now again, these are not gods. Elohei Chesav Elohezahov that we refer to Lo Sasun Et. Elohei Chesav Elohezahov is referring to a representation of a minister of a Malach down here in this world, where I'm not serving it. All I'm doing is showing the chashivus of that minister. That would be Oster. But here's the Nitziv's so ultimate chiddush. I'm sorry? That sounds so close to me. So the Nitziv's chiddush is like this. It is Oster. And it would be Oster to do, to make those Eloi Chesed It's Oster. But Aaron and the people didn't know that yet. The Aseris Adibros, which they already received, and of course they received some mitzvos, but they didn't understand all those mitzvos. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim for 40 days and 40 nights to understand everything, to come back down and teach them what it all meant. Did they get the Mishpatim on Har Sinai? Yeah, they've got Mishpatim on Har Sinai, but they didn't understand what they meant. So when they heard, that you can't do this, they didn't know what that meant. They thought it meant God's. And these aren't God's. The, the Eagle Azov that we want over here is going to be a leader, not a God. So it says in its they never thought it was a problem. Even Aaron himself didn't think it was a problem. He didn't think it was forbidden. He thought if you use it as a medium and you always are Makshav HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the God, uppercase G, G-O-D, that's him. And everything else is just a medium to get to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to get us close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says in its then that seems to be Aaron thought it was okay. It's not. But they didn't know that yet because they didn't have all the halachos yet. And that's why he suggested such an idea to the people. So Hirsch looks at this and says, it was a major mistake on Aaron's part. He should have realized this is not the way to go. And, but Aaron didn't know that it was going to be so quick. He tried to make it to be a little bit longer and it ended up being a little bit quicker. But he always had in mind to do something that he knew was usher. That was Hirsch's thing. And Hirsch said that was Aaron's fault. That was what Hirsch was saying. Then Itziv says it's different. The suggestion that Aaron made, he never thought was a problem. He thought this was okay to make an emtsoi, a medium, that would bring their tefillahs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he thought, that's why we have to bring gold specifically from the women and children. Now again, I'm not speaking about women and children nowadays. Women and children back in the day were completely dependent on their husband or father. They could not make a living on their own. They did not do such things. The women and children were all secondary to their husbands. Okay, we know that's not our world today, but that's the way the world was. So Aaron looked at the people and said, you want to make it correctly? You want to make an eagle as of that shows that you're really serving God and this is only a medium? You want to do it correctly? Make sure to take gold only from women and children. And what will happen if you take gold from women and children? They're subservient to someone else. So it'll show that the eagle is subservient to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That the eagle is a slave. That the eagle cannot do anything on its own. It's not being made with male gold, because the males, the men, were the people that were able to do everything and make everything happen, etc. It's being made with women gold, with children gold. And that gold's on a lower level, so to speak. A level that it will be considered that it's something so much lower. That's what the eagle should have represented. That's what it should have been. And what happened? The women didn't give the gold. The children didn't bring their gold. So what did the men do? They took their gold and gave it over to the Egelazov, and this was the problem. Aaron didn't realize. He thought it was still coming from the women and children, and therefore he was okay with it because it was just a secondary. It wasn't anything, but it became manly gold. And that's the men gold that they put down inside, and that caused the Egelazov to be a man, almost like a god. 
And that's why people started to serve it in a different fashion. Does everybody hear what the Nitziv is saying? The idea of our own, in his mind, because they didn't know this yet, wasn't usher. Afterward, it became usher. But at that point, it wasn't usher. And he thought that this is the greatest idea. This is the best idea. You want a medium? You want something to go in between? That's okay. Here's what you're going to do. Make it out of women gold and make it out of children gold. But when they brought the men, the, the men, when they brought their gold itself, then it became a problem. Then it became a real issue. That, I think, is the, the craziest chiddush. The craziest. But it's an unbelievable idea. Jake, you had a question? I don't know if it's fully related, but does this like, show the... It's a good call. There, See what happens immediately when Moshe Rabbeinu is not there. Now, typically speaking, if you're dealing with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you don't need a succession plan because a Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge the entire time, so you wouldn't need that, especially 40 days into your reign. They've just been gone. They've only been you know, out of Mitzrayim for 40 days. So typically speaking, you would, well, 40 days, I should say more than that, 90 days. So it's only been 90 days. And maybe there would have been a succession plan at some point. There was in the 39th year of the Midbor when a Kaddish Baruch Hu set up Pimchas, etc., but you're, I, I don't think yet. I don't think this is a problem on, a, on Moshe Rabbeinu's part of not setting up a successor. And the truth is, he did kind of set up a successor. He said, all of your questions go to Aaron and Hur. So he did set up a succession after him. They killed Hur, and Aaron obviously had his problems. But he did set up something to be in his place, just not realizing. Now, yeah, yeah. Was before, after the Yisro said about the before Yisro? That's Machlokas, right there, right? We don't know if Yisro came after Yom Kippur, Mimachoros Yom Kippur, or if Yisro came before Harsinai. So we don't know. That's Machlokas already. That we don't know. Rashi says, and this is all, what we know this, guys. The pure Rashi, which is the Pashup shot in the Pasuk, the Nitziv is a massive Chiddush. But Rashi, it's a stall tactic. This is a stall tactic. Aaron knew the women would not be willing to give. They weren't going to give up their jewelry or anything to make an idol. And not only would they refuse to give their husbands everything, probably they would refuse their husbands when their husbands said, fine, we'll take our own gold, they would say, no, you're not taking anything because the women were holy people and they knew nothing like that was going to happen. He assumed there would be fights, right? The men and the women would fight with one another and it would take a while to get a big enough pile of gold to do anything with and he figured by that time Moshe Rabbeinu would return. It was a stall tactic, a pure, pure stall tactic. Not that he thought it was mutter, just stalling, waiting for Moshe Rabbeinu to come down. What he didn't expect is that the men had enough gold on their own that they didn't even need to go to their wives. They didn't even bother going to the wives. You want gold? Here you go. And they took off everything they had in their pockets and they were able to make a huge pile of the stuff that they had on their own without going to the women at all. That's the idea behind it of what happened over here. The Orachim Akadur says it wasn't just a little bit of stalling. Look in the Psukim. It seems that Aaron told them a bunch of laws. Isn't this cool? Like when they said, can we make this, etc. Aaron told them, okay, in order to do this, you need to take the following steps. Here's what you got to do. Number one, everything had to be made of gold. Number two, it had to be made of rings that were already used. Not brand new. It has to be the, the rings that were on the earrings that are on the ears of your wives and children. It can't be brand new stuff. It has to be stuff that was used. Number three, you have to bring it themselves. You have to bring it yourselves. You can't bring it through a shliach. No messenger can go ahead and do this. And all of this was Ma'akib, he said. He said, all this is Ma'akib. You have to be here while it's happening. All this Ma'akib. He said, if you don't do this, then I can't make anything from you. He expected this to take at least a day or two. And according to this idea, the same basic idea, the Orachim Cutter says, it was a stall tactic to wait until Moshe Rabbeinu came back. The problem was, as we all know, that they did exactly what it was. The only thing they didn't listen to is they didn't take it off their women and children. They took it off their own ears. That's the one thing that Aaron didn't count on, and therefore it went much quicker than they expected, and that was the problem over here. 
Targum Yonason says that they did go to the women and the children. Now, Rashi doesn't say this explicitly, but Targum Yonason said they, the women would have refused, but you don't know if they actually went to the women and children, at least the way that I'm reading Rashi. Maybe you could be medayic something different than Rashi, but the way I'm reading Rashi, it doesn't seem they actually went. But Targum Yonason says they went to the women and the children, and they refused to give anything for the egos of itself, and that didn't discourage the men in the least. Immediately, they pulled the rings out of their own ears, that's Be'oznehem, and they put it in front of a pile in front of Aaron. The Tosefis Bracha says, where is that hinted to in the Pesukim? Be'oznehem could be the ears of the women and the children. How do you know Be'oznehem is their own ears over here? And he says, because there's a difference in the word Am. The word Am refers to the rabble, the people, the Erevrav, or in the Pasuk. If you look in the Pesukim, in the Parsha, it keeps saying the word Am. The Am appears before Aaron told them to take the rings out of the women and children. And then it says that the Am took the rings out of their ears. Since it says Am before, then it says women and children, then it says Am, it sounds like the men were the ones who took it out of their own ears and not the women and children. Aside from that, there's a famous line, this is in Parsha's Lech Lecha, by Yeshev is the Am, that's on Hanashim. There was the people and then there were the women. The women are not considered part of an Am, and therefore if the Am were the people that did it, it seems clear, says Tosefis Bracha, that it's referring to the women that did it and not anybody else. Ibn Ezra argues. Now this is all Rishonim, right? We're all dealing with Rishonim here, right? That was Rashi that we mentioned before. The Orachim HaKadosh is explaining Rashi. The Ibn Ezra says, the men didn't take earrings out of their own ears. It's likely the men did not have any earrings. Who wore earrings back then? The Egyptians. The Jews didn't wear the clothes of the Egyptians, so they likely did not have earrings in their ears. The men did not have earrings in their ears. Rather, I'm sorry? Well, the Erevrav were, but not the men. The men did not wear the clothing of the Egyptians. They didn't do what the Egyptians did. So it's likely they did not have any earrings. You know who did, though? The wives and children. So when the wives and children refused to give, you know what the, women, you know what the men did? They tore the earrings out of their wives' ears. They tore it out of their kids' ears. And they took that, along with a piece of the ear, and they gave it and put it in front of the pile of iron itself. And that's how the Ibn Ezra learns it. He learns it that they mamish took it out of the ears of the women and children. When it says Ba'oznehem, it means their ears. They took it out of their ears. That when they wouldn't give, and that's the wording, the wording is, They took out the, the, literally the rings that were in the ears of the women. Not of their own ears, of the women themselves. Rabbeinu Ephraim says the following. He says the women still refuse to give every, anything. They forcibly ripped them right out over there. And that's the idea behind it. They forcibly took them, even though they thought it was extremely necessary. Either way, both the Rishonim, the Rabbeinu Ephraim, and the way the Ibn Ezra learns, this shot in the Rabbeinu Ephraim seems that the men did not have earrings. Malay Omer says something crazy over here. The Malay Omer says, finds Rashi's shot in understanding Aaron's intentions as something a little bit off. There's something a little bit off about it. He was stalling, so he was willing to make a Vodazara in the future? That's crazy. Why didn't he just tell them, guys, wait a day? If you're stalling, tell them, fine, wait a day. I'm guaranteeing you that Moshe will be back by then. Why would you go ahead and say, gather gold, bring it all together, make a Mizbeach? That's crazy. So the Mali Omer does not understand. This can't be the way it is, and therefore gives an entirely different answer. He says, the Zohar says, the only way for magic to work and to make something that's real when it comes to Vodazara is if people are willing to give their own gold toward it. 
if they're not willing to give themselves into it, if they're not willing to do what they want to do, then it doesn't work. Aaron knew that the women would never want to give. And even if the earrings were stolen off their ears, they wouldn't want to give. And what happens if you steal the earrings and you make it into a pile? You do something when somebody doesn't want to do it, the magic doesn't work. So Aaron assumed the Avodazar won't be effective at all. There won't be anything happening here because no one will want to give it willingly. And this was the problem. The problem, of course, is that the men took it out of their own ears. The Erev Rav had earrings, says the Malay Omer, and they're the ones that put it through. So even though the women didn't give, the Erev Rav did, and that was his idea of how he understood a little bit different from Rashi, that the idea that Aaron had is that there's no, nothing bad could possibly happen here. There's no way something bad could happen. There's no way the Erev Rav could mess this up, not realizing that the men had enough gold to be able to take care of it. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says one of the craziest things I've ever heard before in my life. Maybe you've heard this before. When the women refused to give anything, the men were very upset. So they went away. They didn't want to fight their wives. They walked away. And as they walked away, you know what happened? Their earrings popped out of their ears. The earrings just literally, they had gold earrings. This Rabbeinu Ephraim says they had gold earrings. And their gold earrings popped out of their ears. And they fell into their hands. And you know what they said to themselves? It's Mina Shemayim. God wants me to make the Egel Azov. That's what they said to themselves. They looked at it. It popped out in their ears. They had it themselves. They had it right there in front of them. They said, oh, we're not supposed to take from our wives. We're supposed to take our own gold. That happened to you too? You also lost your earrings. We all lost our earrings. Let's give it over to Aaron. And they came over dancing in front of Aaron, saying, look, the earrings came out of our own ears. We didn't even pull it out. It just came out on its own. Isn't that a sign from God that a Kaddish Baruch wants us to give, a, give you gold? And Aaron's like, yeah. <laughs> Put it down in a pile. I'll deal with it later. And that's what happened. A brilliant shot. And that's the word by Yisporko as well, so Rabbi Ephraim. It happened on its own. It happened on its own without anything there. The Chassam Sofer says this was all part of Aaron's plan. He wanted them to think that they were doing something wrong. He wanted them to do something by suggesting to take their wives' earrings. He reminded them, don't you remember you heard with your own ears on Harsinai? I don't want you to take bracelets. I don't want you to take any other gold necklaces. I want you to take earrings because you heard on Harsinai that you're a vadim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't you remember what you heard? It was a remez. It was a hint of what was going to be in the future. Don't you realize what you just said? And that's why. He then wanted them to go to their children. That's the woman, right? Why the kids? Have you ever heard of nichush? You know what nichush is? A little bit of superstition. There's superstition. There's certain things that you could do, like if I wake up and, I don't know, a, a bird passes in front of my window, I'm not going to get up today. If I wake up and I make my first red light, right, if I make it green before it goes through, then I'm going to have a great business deal. That's like nichush. You're superstitiously going about your day as if those things mean anything at all. And they don't. They don't mean anything at all. They don't do anything at all. You know why they had to go to the kids and take the gold out of their ears? Specifically because they were badak biyanuka. Says the Chassam Sofer, go talk to the kids and go see by the kids. If they're willing to give it to you, then you'll know that God is on your side. And if they're not, then you'll know God isn't on your side. Unfortunately, it, it backfired. They wanted to go to the kids. And Lefidus Chassam Sofer adding on the Rabbeinu Ephraim, before they went to the kids, what happened? Their own earrings popped out. 
So they were like, oh, we don't need to go to the kids. Hashem is showing us right now what we have to do. And they immediately went ahead and did it. What an unbelievable Rabbeinu Ephraim over here. As a side note, by the way, the word nezem should be a nose ring. It is weird that it says nizamim asher ba'oznehem. There's a shach alatur on this that also says that there's a whole hint behind it. I'm not going to go into it right now, but the word nezem normally means nose ring, not earring, which is a little bit strange. Okay, why gold? Why'd they have to take gold? Why not silver? Why not any other material? Did it have to be gold? Was it really specifically gold? The Ramban says, and I don't know what this means, a calf looks better in gold than any other color. Does anybody get that at all? A calf will look better in gold? I, I literally have no idea. I'm sorry? Everything looks better in gold. Yeah, I don't know why you would say that, but a calf looks better in gold. That's one answer he gives. He said in Pshat, that's what it is. But then the Ramban says, he says, gold represents Midas Adin. The ultimate strict judgment of a Kaddish Baruch Aaron wanted them to realize, like the Sam Sofer said, he wanted them to realize they were doing something wrong. He said, guys, think about this. Do you really want to do this? Do you really want to abuse the gold, the Midas din of a Kaddish Baruch Do you really want to go about over here? Make them say something to each other. Hopefully they would say, gold, wait, hold on. Do we really want to do this? He was hoping that it would jog their memories and remember what they were doing something wrong over here. And unfortunately it didn't work. The Malvim says they were trying to connect to something Ruchni within the physical. You want to bring something Ruchni within the physical? Aaron suggested that they give up their personal jewelry. The most expensive jewelry they had at the time was their gold. And if you want to do something spiritual, give up your own gold. Very similar to what we said before, but the idea is to give up something over there. Miam Loez said he wanted to kill two birds with one stone. They had a lot of gold from Mitzrayim. You know what they had in this gold of Mitzrayim? Lots of markings and engravings of the gods of Egypt. So he asked them, you know what, guys, bring me your gold. And he had a twofold idea over here. While they would bring him the gold, he would rub off all the, the Avodah Zarah, the idol worship that they had on this stuff. And then he'd make it into a pile and wait for Moshe Rabbeinu to come back. That's what he was thinking. Bring it over so I can do stuff. So that's what it means. By Yaakov Bacharet, he ended up engraving on the gold right, what, what Aaron did. It was all because he knew that this gold was filled with Avodah Zarah and he wanted to get rid of it. The Shach says he asked for gold because it would be harder. It would be more difficult. And he knew that Erevrav had taken gold out of Mitzrayim themselves. They didn't find it anywhere. That would be more difficult to get. But that's all why the gold itself. Yeah, Jake? I, you know, if, if they were doing it for godly purposes, it might be even said that. That, yeah, he even said, we're doing this to get rid of the Avodah Zarah in order to get to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It could be he said that out loud and the Pasuk just doesn't mention it. So it's possible. Maybe he did. And if not, if there was some vestige of Avodah Zarah here that they wanted to do, then maybe he specifically didn't say it. He didn't want to get involved just trying to get around them so it would be there. But let's get into this manly earring thing. Do men wear earrings? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as opposed to silver. Gold and silver represent opposite to one another. Gold usually has a reddish tint, right? Even though it's gold, whatever, it has a reddish tint to it, and red is always known as a color that's used for Midas Adin, while silver is something like almost white, and white is used for innocence or something that's a little bit better. So the way that it's said, it's brought down by the Shach in Parshish Truma that gold is Midas Adin and silver is Midas, Midas, uh, Midas Rachem or Midas Chesed. As you should know, by the way, we say in Shalashudas, you know, by Askinu Sudasa Dmeam Nusa, you know, that whole song that's in Aramaic, Nichsof Nichsafti. Nichsof Nichsafti, we truly desire to get close to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. The word Kesef 
also has a hint within it to be desirous to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, Kesef stands for Chesed, the idea of trying to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, I don't know how Zav appears within that, meaning I don't know why the word Zav means stay away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hav obviously means to give. I don't know what the connection is with that. But Kesef is always used to represent that Rachamim of trying to get closer, while Zav seems to be the idea of too much, too much. Like, for example, in Parshish Devarim, Di Zahav, Moshe Rabbeinu said, too much gold leads to bad things. So that's the idea behind it, but I don't know exactly why. No, yeah. Why they do silver? Yeah, I think it's done specifically for that reason. It's done in silver. Sifra Torah has silver, and we always do silver ataros and everything like that for that very reason. Nechsof, nechsafti, the idea behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, there's difference because in the base of Mikdash, you needed Midas Adin. The Kohanim had to do exactly the avoda that a Kurdish Baruch wanted them to do. They couldn't just make something up or try to do something out of their own. It had to be exactly. So there was a little bit of a difference in the base of Mikdash itself and turning that gold into something better. Now, about this manly earring thing. The Ibn Ezra says it was the custom to wear earrings, but likely only the women and children and not the men. It's likely the men did not have earrings themselves. But Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer and Perak Memhei says the men wore earrings in Egypt and they continued wearing earrings when they left Egypt. And even though it seems surprising, I think the pshat is somewhat obvious. Why did they have earrings in Egypt? Well, we all know what a nirza is, right? What's a nirza? A nirza is an evid ivri. If an evid ivri works for six years for his master, and after six years says, I love my master, the wife he gave me, as well as my children, the children that I had from my master, right? You always say, I don't want to go for free. I don't want to go out, right? I want to stay. So what happens when he becomes a nirza, right? What do we do to a nirza to show that he's an evid? We take him by the door, right? And we bore an, a hole in his ear. Not in the lobe, by the way. It would be like right here. But we bore a hole in his ear, right? And we give him an earring to show that he's a slave. It's likely that the sign of a slave back in the day was wearing an earring. I don't, I, I don't know if Aladdin is a good proof for everybody, right? But you remember the cartoon, right? With Aladdin, the genie had an earring in his ear. Anybody remember that? The idea is that earrings were to represent slavery. That was the idea of what Pirkei Rebbe Lezer says. And if so, if a nirza is like that, then it makes sense. They were in Mitzrayim. They all wore earrings. Why did the Jews wear earrings? Because there were slaves to the Egyptians. It could even be the Egyptians wore earrings because there were slaves to Paro. And when they left, they kept their earrings on. You know why? To remind themselves that they're now slaves of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're Avde Hashem. They're no longer their own. They're not their own people. They're Avadim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu itself. Says Pirkei Rebbe Lezer, maybe they did that. And their children eventually stopped doing it. Eventually, the men and the children stopped wearing earrings. But the first generation leaving all wore earrings for this reason because that was a sign of servitude and they wanted to show that they were now servants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's one way of looking at it. I saw later on that Rabbi Yonason Ibshit says the exact same thing. But we want to hear something even crazier. What it seems even more so is, I, I don't know if this is entirely true, but Rabbi Yonis and Ibschitz brings this down. He says, that's why women typically always wore earrings, to show that they were subservient to their husbands. Is that a crazy idea? If it was a sign of servitude, 
That's why the women wore something to show that they were under their husbands. Now, again, that's not what we do nowadays. And any woman that wears earrings nowadays are probably not thinking that way, right? They're probably thinking, no, it makes me look really good. I do realize it's on video. I do get that, right? I understand that, but it is brought down. It's brought down that that was the original, that was the original idea of what re- earrings were all about, and therefore they wore them. As a side note, that might be part of the reason why Nizamim used to be nose rings, because earrings was a sign of servitude, so the women didn't wear earrings until they were married. It's possible they didn't do it until they got married, and then they wore it as a sign that they were married to somebody else. I don't know, but it is a little crazy to think about. Yeah. Didn't what? Eliezer, right? Eliezer gave Rivka the nose. Yes, 100%. And that's because it wasn't yet, she wasn't yet married. I think that that's the idea behind it. The Rav Schwab talks about this as well. Rav Shimon Schwab has a whole idea over here. And he says why this is so and what they did over here and that's that. But the sin was so great because of this. This is what made it so much worse. If the men had earrings in their ears to show that they were slaves to God, right? And they kept them in their ears to show they're slaves to God. What did they do when they wanted to do the Egoaz of? They took out those earrings that represented God. That represented they are slaves to Hashem. They took those out and made the Egoaz of. That was the worst thing they could have done. The worst thing they could have done. Those earrings that represent your servitude to Hashem, you're going to take those out and say, now I'm going to serve an idol? That's the worst thing they could have done. That was a terrible, terrible idea, says Rav Schwab. What an unbelievably tor- terrible idea. Ayala Sashaka, Rav Steinman says, even though they never took on the clothing of Egypt, they did keep, take on little things such as this. And eventually it petered out, but it, it took on for quite a while. It's a crazy idea, absolute crazy idea. I did not look it up. I didn't want to go through a whole thing online and try to find out whatever it is where the original idea of what wearing earrings was like. I don't know. But I'd like somebody to look this up. If there's a reason specifically why women did not do so until, I, I, maybe women did so at some point. I don't know where it started, where the idea came from. I'd like to see it. All right, there's a reward. Tosos in Rosh Hashanah, as well as Pirkei Rebbe says, all the women that were involved with the Egoz of, or I should say not involved with the Egoz of, were given a great reward in this world and the next. You know what the reward was? In this world, they were given the Chag of Rosh Chodesh. They get Rosh Chodesh as their day. There's a minug that women do not do malacha on Rosh Chodesh. Malacha means malacha that makes their lives harder. They don't do laundry or things that would be a little bit extra work on Rosh Chodesh itself. They are allowed to cook. They are allowed to drive. They are allowed to write. That wouldn't be a problem, but they don't do extra work on Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is a day for them. They get that day. And L'Asid Lavo says the Pirkei Rebbe Lezer, They're going to renew themselves. They're going to be different. It's going to be something different, similar to the moon on Rosh Chodesh. Just like the moon renews itself on Rosh Chodesh and makes itself new and wanes and waxes again, becomes bigger again, so two women are going to be the same way. What's going to be with that? Who knows? The Pasuk in Yirmiya, Laman Aleph Chafal, says, Kibarashem there will be a new thing in the land, Nikeva to Soviv Gavr, that a woman will chase after a man, that a woman will go around the man, so to speak, as if the woman will be in charge, the women will be in charge, and the men will have to be in the middle, that they're going to be the ones that are in charge of everything. Pardis Yosef says, how is this a reward for women? I don't understand. Originally, Rosh Chodesh was a Chag for everyone. They lost it, and the woman kept it? That's not a reward. That just means they get to keep what they didn't get to lose. They lost Rosh Chodesh because of the Egel Azov. The women didn't gain Rosh Chodesh, they kept it. And the pshat is, it was a low plug. When the Egel Azov happened, Rosh Chodesh was taken away completely. And it was brought back only for the women. Only for the women, not for anybody else. Even though Shevet Levi 
also didn't sin, they don't get Rosh Chodesh because they were included with the Gezerah against all men. All men were taken away from Rosh Chodesh. It was brought back only for women and they were given that just for them, not for anybody else. If we really want to understand it, Tzferes Yonason goes through an entire thing over here, such an unbelievable piece, and it really goes through what I was saying before about the Avodah and the, the ears themselves, etc. You can look at it yourself. Rav Schwab says the renewal of the moon every month is the idea that the whole world is going to eventually turn around and renew itself again. And who knows? But maybe we're already starting to live in this world. We're in a keva to Soviet Gother, where we see that women are taking charge and are putting themselves in charge and are allowing themselves to be there. Now, we have had, in our history, in our Jewish history, women that have ruled over the nation. Devorah Hanavia is a great example, even though she had Barak Ben Avinoam with her, but Devorah did take over at that time. We have a Salya. We have... Um, Hilini Hamalka, we have Shlom Tzion Hamalka during the times of the Hashemunayim and the Hashemunayik kingdom, right, those last two. We have had women that are in charge, but it's not comparable to the world that we have today. The world that we have today is completely different, and who knows if in the future it continues to be that way. And the way the Rishwab looks at it, it could be what we say every Kiddush Levana, Valavana Amar, we say to the moon, Shetis Chadesh, Hashem, uh, we say, we're going to be mischadish things all anew because of it. It could be that in the future, women are going to take over, that they're going to be in charge, they're going to be in charge. And this is the idea. I want you to think about this for a second, but the idea is very clear. When we say Nikeva to Soviet Gever, the woman goes around the man, we act that out at a chuppah. What happens at a chuppah when the man stands in the middle? The woman goes around seven times. Now, unless you're at a reform wedding where they have some very unique ways of translating why the women and the men go around each other seven times, you go to an Orthodox wedding, you're going to see why does a woman go around seven times to form a wall. Form a wall, protection. That the woman is going to be there to protect her husband from things that are bad. And that's what she's there for. She's really there because we know as men we're weak and women have the ability to be that protection, to be that strength that the men do not have. And thus, to Nekevet Tzoviv Gever, which is a reference to the future, what we're doing is we're saying, just like right now, the wife protects the husband, in the future, these women will all protect the men that are out there. And if that's so, according to this Rav Schwab, this is an unbelievable world. In the future, says Rav Schwab, if a person goes up to a fig tree, it's going to be different than it is now. Say you go up, that's a fig tree, let's go to an apple tree. You have an apple tree. And on Shabbos, you feel like having an apple. So you go up to the tree, you want to pick an apple off a tree. Right? You pick it off, you're over on a, you were Machal Shabbos, nothing we could do about that, right? In the future, says Rav based on a Medrash, if you go up to an apple tree and you want to pick off an apple off the tree, you're about to go up to it. You forgot. You're not going to sin on purpose because this world in the future is going to be a, a world without the Yitzhahara. But you forgot it's Shabbos or you forgot the disaster. You're not even thinking. And you go up and you're just about to take off the apple. Immediately the apple yells at you. You're like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't take me. I'm attached, to, I'm attached to a tree. This is an Isra Jeoraisa. You're like, oh, I totally forgot. And Apple's like, thank you. You ever walk up to a light switch on Shabbos? And, you know, you're not even thinking. You know it's Shabbos. You know it's also to turn off lights. But you're so used to turning off lights when you go outside of a bathroom because that's what your mother taught you how to do when you leave a bathroom. You turn off a light, right? And you just automatically turn it off. Grumma. You won't be able to do it in the future, right? It is, it's not a grandma. It's a, purely, it's misasic. You're not even thinking. You're just not thinking. It's misasic. You know what's going to happen in the future? As you're walking out of the bathroom, as you're about to turn off the light, as you're about to put your hand there and turn it off, the light is going to scream at you and say, ah, stop, no. And you're going to be like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. It's going to scream at you. 
The lady's going to scream at you and tell you, no, you're not going to do it. In this new world, when a person wants to do something that's usher, the stones of the walls of the house that you're in, the stones are going to scream at you and say, what are you thinking? And you're going to be like, oh, this is embarrassing. Again, you don't even mean to do something usher because it's a world where you don't have a Yitzhahara. But even if it's by accident, it'll never happen. Where all of a sudden you're dipping something and it happens to be milchix and you've got something flashix in here, but you didn't realize, you just didn't realize it was milchix. And you're about to dip it in and all of a sudden the, the milk or whatever it is that it's going to scream at you and just be like, I'm milchik. And you're going to be like, I'm fl- oh, flashix. No, bad idea. That's what's going to happen. It's an awesome world. Nature, nature is going to protect us like wives protect their husbands. The idea behind this is in the Kivit Sovigever, it's going to be a world where we're all protected. The same way the women wanted to protect their husbands by the Egel Azov and not let them do what they were about to do, to give their gold away and to make a Vodazar and do all these terrible things. And the women said, no, we don't want this to happen. We don't want this to happen. And they tried stopping their husbands. Their reward is Rosh Chodesh, which stands for the future, which means women eventually will be the leaders. There will be a protection around Klal Yisrael not allowing us to do something that's wrong. The whole world will act that way and it will be completely different. There's a Rav Sternbach on this as well, as well as in Miam Loez. It's an amazing idea, yeah. So, I have a question. The first question, or first part of the question is... Quick, because you have a minute. Uh, women are... Typically, the man's weakness is related to the women. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's going to be that. It's going to be a different type of weakness. In other words, again, no yitzhara. So we're done with the yitzhara. So the only way that something could happen is through a shogig in some way, right? That shogig will never happen. It's not. That's that, part of the point. What I'm trying to say is that it's not necessarily the women that are going to protect the men in the future. The women represent how the entire world is going to change. That everything's going to change. Where women will be equal to or above the level of so men, that, and thus the whole so world if will the be protected. Switch to some degree. Does that mean that our role then switches as well? Do we stay at home and just yeah? Like there's a kliyakar on that, but yeah, hopefully. No, we're all going to learn Torah together. We're finally going to be able to learn Torah together. We're all Chayv and Marev. Lesson behind the whole partial one with this. Sora Lateva says you see the difference between Dora Midbar and every, every other generation in their greatest sin. Think about the greatest sin that Dora Midbar just had. The greatest sin was the Egel Azov, right? They were willing to give up everything they owned to make an idol. Think of that for a second. Our generation is willing to give up every idol they own in order to make money. Think of the difference between our generation and the generation back then. Sure, they sinned horribly. This is a horrible idea. This is not something you want to do. But their sin involved them in believing in God so much, I'm willing to give up all of my gold to make a God. Our sin is willing to give up every bit of God that I have in order to make that money. Such a difference between us. It's such a difference. It's a crazy, crazy idea. These people, of course, did something horrendous, but were nonetheless committed to an ideal even if the ideal was something that we shouldn't ever think that would be something good for us. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos.